Good morning. Thank you, Maxwells. I didn't really pick the easiest of verses for you. That Ecclesiastes part's a little tough. Sorry about that, guys. Um, but give them a hand. They gave it a good shot. Thank you, guys. <sighs> so, my name is Andrew Davison, and I've already introduced myself. What a lot of you don't know is that 24 years ago, about two weeks ago, we arrived here in Three Hills, and it probably would have been about this time that I would have attended my first church service in the original tab, and I'm pretty sure it was T.S. Rendell that preached, and I honestly can't believe that I'm now preaching in the tab 24 years later. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> So I'm a little nervous, but as the kids told me earlier this week, do what you do, tell stories. So I'm going to tell some stories today. I grew up on a farm in Nova Scotia. We were dairy farmers. My dad milked cows twice a day, 365 days a year. Our lives, including our extended family, revolved around that activity. We couldn't have a big family Christmas dinner until dad was done chores. We were often cut short because dad had to go back and do chores. My mom was a lab tech in a hospital, so she was on call a lot in my earlier days. Um, she then quit that, became a market gardener, which required all hands on deck. Then she became a real estate agent, which is once again, always on call and you know, you're at the mercy of other people. And she also kept my dad and my two brothers with clean clothes, meals, and relatively organized. So I grew up in an environment where work was everything. Um, at a very early age, we did chores. And you know, it never crossed my mind to not do them. Um, I may have dragged my feet a little bit, but if I didn't do my chores, the calves went hungry things didn't get cleaned, and our whole family's livelihood was, at, was in jeopardy. Might seem a little extreme, but that's how my little teenage brain worked at the time. I remember the day very clearly when I forgot to take the uh, soap from the milk line out of the tank of milk, and we lost thousands of liters of milk literally flushed down the drain that day. So I've had to deal with work. I've had to deal with the harsh realities of doing a good job and, you know, just doing it. So as you've guessed, my topic today is work. But before I dive into scripture, I want to give us a broad definition of work. Work is an activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. So with that definition in mind, everything we do is work. Now I'm seeing some college students here, I'm seeing some high school students here, even our classes are work. I just started attending Prairie Bible College this week, and oh yeah, there's a lot of work in store for me over the next couple months. But other things are work as well. Walking the dog, cooking a meal, planning a vacation, 
volunteering, making dad feel good by laughing at another one of his jokes. These are all things that could be considered work. So let's do a little bit of an activity here. I'd like everybody who has worked a day in their life to raise one hand. Okay, keep it nice and high. Now raise your other hand if you've ever been responsible to teach someone a simple task like tying a shoe, spelling their name, or if you've ever volunteered in your life. All right, now it's looking like a hold up. Now, nope, hands up, hands up. Now, hands down if you've ever had a bad day at work. All right, now this would be the time when I would be pointing out those who still have their hands up. Uh, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> it will come. We could watch the first video, John. What is work? What is this thing to which we devote most of our waking hours in the prime of our lives? Is it a curse? A punishment? A burden? A responsibility? Why do we work? What is the purpose? To put food on the table. To support our families. To get out of the house. To get rich. To be challenged. To build. To accomplish. To prove oneself. To show the doubters. To achieve. To succeed invent, to create, to compete, to conquer, to build wealth, to search for meaning, to leave a legacy, to find identity. Father God, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today, to preach your word, to uh, speak in front of these wonderful people. And I pray that you will give me the words to say, um, the tongue to speak them, and just give us all a sense of peace and let us enjoy the morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's a lot easier said than done. These are all questions that we ask ourselves each day, and many of us have wrestled with them. None of those things like that they mentioned in the video, like working for money, working to provide, uh, working for acknowledgement. None of those things are bad or wrong. Um, in fact, with the right mindset, they can be noble, respectable, and good. My goal here this morning is not to redeem work. It is always going to end up at some point hard. I'm here to remind us that together our attitude needs to change about work. So the last several weeks, we've been doing Ephesians, and I'm just going to review just a little bit. We learned earlier in this series that God has a plan to restore the entire cosmos under the authority of Christ. This renovation of creation tells us that this world, which includes our jobs, matters to God and hasn't been abandoned by him. This renovation is centered around Christ, and involves us as recipients of God's grace. 
Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we're not saved by works, but for works. God has planned a renewal of creation, and the activity in the workplace is part of what God's purpose is for us. As we already explained during our opening exercise, everything we do is work. A lot of us have been taught a very privatized and individualized gospel, which centers around me being the end goal of the gospel, that Jesus died for me, that I might be saved, that I could go to heaven. This really cheapens the purpose of the gospel. Yes, Jesus did die for me, and he died for you, but he also died for us so that we can be redeemed for the benefit of others. How do we typically celebrate or give thanks? We worship. We sing praises to God. We pray, we fellowship, and we share the good news. The ultimate goal of God is to heal us, restore us, transform us through his grace so that we might show the same grace and mercy to others. It's interesting, but Paul uses the term citizen rather than worshiper in Ephesians 2.19. That's a civic term. It's not a, it's not a biblical term. It's a civic term. This implies that work is a major part of God's plan. So it too should be and will be part of the restoration. So the question is, can we mix work and worship? Can we work as worship? Our attitude needs to change to be one of worship. But what if there's more? What if we are divinely placed wherever we are? What if it's about what we can give, not just what we get? What if work is an opportunity to worship our Creator and bring Him glory? Not just by the words we say, not just by the quality of our character, but by the excellence of our work. What is work? Work is worship. So that's my goal here this morning, to help remind us that work too can be an act of worship. I asked the kids this morning to do a few verses of Genesis um, about how the first thing that God told man to do is work. And guess what? It was good. Tending a garden and caring for animals certainly speaks to the farm boy and me. And naming creatures? Who wouldn't want to name creatures? And he did it in the presence of God. God brought him the creatures and then watched man at his first job. How cool is that? Just stop and just think about how cool it would be doing your first job in the presence of God. I've had the privilege of naming four important creatures in my life. And they're all here today. They're a little older. Um, so it's all well and good that our first job was good. But then man messed up and suddenly work became toil. So let me give you just a few of the highlights of the exciting things that happened in Genesis 3, 15 to 19. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat it all of the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, sweat of your face. Not to mention that to women, he says, he will multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Men, I have seen this, and I will prefer thorns and thistles over giving birth. (laughs) The point is, God's original plan was broken. Now, we just tip the iceberg on Ecclesiastes, but I find it a wonderful book on really setting things straight on my mindset for work. Because you know what? God knows that it's hard. And Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book about the futility of work, how there's nothing new under the sun, and that there's toil. And without reminding ourselves that Christ is our focus and work is just one way that we serve the ultimate design. Let's look at the verses of today. I've asked my daughter Michaela to help me out here. And let's see if the microphone works. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Thank you. Hold on. I've this word bond servant is an interesting word. Um, the ESV uses the word bond servant. Other translations use the word slave or servant. And I think this is why a lot of people sometimes skip over this, because as soon as they see slave, they think, oh, it may not pertain to me. But I'm going to challenge that this morning. The word bondservant back in Paul's time, and even before then, um, the bondservant had to meet more, um, had to meet the expectations of their master. They usually had limited say in what they were to do, Um, Bond servants and their families were generally part of their master's household. They lived under their roof. They ate his food. Masters in this context had a lot more control over the bond servant's livelihood. If any of you remember the cartoon, uh, Joseph, um, King of Prince of Dreams, uh, is that cartoon that was done by DreamWorks a number of years ago, Um, or just read Joseph in the Bible. Um, Joseph was a bond servant to Potiphar. so, and Joseph was part of his household. Now, there's a lot more to that story, but there, there is that the masters and the bondservants were, they worked really close together. And I question whether or not that's any different today. Think about it. I've worked in construction for 15 years. I've been all over the province. I've had to be away from my family for weeks on end. I've had to do some pretty disgusting jobs from time to time. And I've never had much of a say in any of it. I have to go where the work goes. Uh, Some of us, I see Ed there, who work long hours away from their family. Um, Some of us live on call, like our doctors, who have to drop everything to go and, and tend to other people. So we have to do that to make a living, to feed our families and to pay our bills. Is that much different than a bondservant? Now, fear and trembling is a strong phrase. While I've never been afraid of my bosses in the past, though some have been pretty big and scary, 
I've never been really afraid of them. I've always kept in mind that I can get fired or be called into the office for the talk. But the idea here is not that we work in fear of that conversation, that we live in fear that we're going to lose our jobs all the time. It's the idea here is that we live with integrity, that we be trusted with the task that is given us. Mike, if you put it on one dash three, Paul is simply reminding us here that our worship is obedience. Has anyone here ever worked for a great boss at some point? Have you ever had a great teacher? Or maybe you have an amazing mom and dad. <laughs> two out of three ain't, two out of four ain't bad. Um, these are people that have inspired you to work hard or challenged you to act differently. Or maybe you wanted to live to be like them because they seem to have it all together. Or in the case of parents, because they're simply cool. No? Nothing? Okay. But Paul warns us about working this way. Now in this group of verses, he doesn't say why. But I think we can all agree that we all fail. We fail all the time. We make bad choices, either intentionally or by mistake. Sometimes it can be hard to see a hero fall from grace. Sorry kids, your dad is not the greatest or best example. But Paul sets us straight in this. We are not to work for our earthly masters. We are to work as if working for Christ. Can you imagine working for someone who has your best interests at heart? Can you imagine working for someone who will forgive you when you make a mistake every single time? Can you imagine working for someone who will take the fall for you even if it meant dying? We all know Jesus did that. Dare I say that by working for Christ, we are worshiping him? Michaela, what's next? Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Hold on one second. The will of God. Sounds like what God told man to do in the garden back in Genesis. God has given us the same desires and abilities of God to create, to, to work. Because God works and creates. Does God work because he has to? Of course not. He works because that's just something he does. From the heart. Interesting. Rendering service with a good will as if you were working for God as opposed to man. Paul, that is quite the standard. But what a testimony to the community. I've worked many jobs. I've worked at a Christian college. I've worked at a local library, construction, an organic vegetable farm, and until recently here in this church. Do you want to know what job I feel has had the greatest impact on the local community? Now, the easy answer would be the college or the church, and you're right. Um, the organic people would certainly say themselves, but they're not so right. But it was the construction company 
of all places. You see, at one point, the construction company I worked at, we had over 30 people in the company, and they were all Christians except for two. We knew who they were, and they knew who we were, and it was great. Now, those two have an entire story unto themselves, but I want to talk about something different. We built big hotels, big construction projects, and we couldn't do it all ourselves. So oftentimes we had sub-trades come onto site and work on certain aspects of the job. They were often there working beside us for weeks on end. And after about a week, some of them would get brave enough and, sat and ask, what's wrong with you guys? Um, he could see that there was something different about us. We didn't swear, we didn't yell at each other, we didn't say inappropriate things about our, our wives, and we were generally just nice guys. What a testimony we were to these guys. Now, we didn't have any conversions on the job site, but you know, after a few weeks, they stopped cursing, they started being nice to each other, and they started asking questions about our relationships with our spouses and how they were lasting so long. Maybe that is why Paul is talking about us having a sincere heart as if we were working for Christ. There are days when work sucks. There are days that all you want to do is complain. There are days you don't want to get up in the morning. There are days when you're watching the clock. I love the word toil in the Old Testament. Um, and honestly, read Ecclesiastes. That word toil is it's such a, doesn't it just sound like the struggle we have some days at work? But Paul reminds us that we are to work, dare I say worship, as if we are working for Christ. Now let's talk about to the Lord and not to man. Our heart attitudes towards work tends to rest on being resentful to the man, which could be our boss, it could be our family, it could be our church, or any activity that we feel responsible for. We cannot let our hearts deceive and keep us in this headspace. The reality of our rebellion plays out deeper in us against all authority and responsibility. Remember to put Christ as our highest authority. Keep focus on him who is greater than anything on this earth. Be motivated by the grace he has shown us in Ephesians 2. God promises us that in Scripture that whatever we do, we will receive back from the Lord. Isn't that a better perspective on who to work for than an earthly master who can fail? All right, Michaela. Last one. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master All right, bosses, this is for you. But guess what? We're all bosses. We're either parents, we're either teachers, we're construction workers, we are real estate, we're truck drivers. As bosses, don't you sometimes feel the same way? Your responsibility might be a little greater than mine as a worker, but you have to make sure I get a paycheck. 
that I have work to do next month. Maybe you're a teacher and you're marking a paper. You need to not only be critical, but you also need to phrase things in ways that the student will learn. And then you have to do that, you know, 50 times in a class. Or maybe you've hired a contractor to do a host reno. After all, you're paying this guy good money, but why is that door not straight? Is there something going on in his life that maybe you should be aware of? Or maybe you're a teach or a, a maybe you're teaching your kids how to tie their shoe for the umpteenth time when their siblings learn so easily. Being a boss, master, parent is hard. But God is Lord of us both, is he not? He knew this was going to be hard. But Masters get the same reward the workers do when we have a good attitude. God will reward them, us, all of us, for that effort as much as he'll reward anyone else. It comes down to worship. The actions or reminders that Paul has been explaining to us in this passage is about how we need to stop reacting but start responding to situations in our life. God knows and doesn't take sides with whether you're a master or a servant. He expects us to respond with understanding, compassion, and respect. This is a two-way street between worker and master. So back to my story about my childhood and the dumped milk. Milk was our livelihood, and losing an entire tank of milk. Now, you got to imagine a tank of milk. Like, it's, it's huge. Um, and losing, and we were not a large family farm, so every drop of milk uh, counted. So you can imagine the weight of me watching this milk go down the drain. It was a lot of money. And I was quite, yeah, I was quite sick about the whole thing. What did my dad do? He walked into the milk room. He looked at me and he says, you probably won't do that again, will you? He then clapped me on the shoulder and walked away. Not cursing or screaming or scuffing his feet. He just walked away. He, he made sure that I had learned the lesson and then he moved on. I'd like to say that that was the only time I dumped a tank of milk, but it wasn't. But, you know what? He did it too. And so he's been there as well as I have. The phrase comes to me now, no use crying over spilt milk. Nothing could be more appropriate. <laughs> I challenge each of you to take a step back and look at the big picture from this point forward and evaluate your attitude at work. Are you threatening? Are you people-pleasing? Or maybe your motives need to be rechecked. It's a lot easier said than done. So, start off small. Let's have a good hour. Let's have a good morning. Let's have a good day. And build on from there. Let's this week renew, renovate our minds to wake up tomorrow and instead of thinking of work as work, think of work as worship. Now, 
I do not expect anyone here to do this alone. We are all in this together. We all have work to do. So I would like to make this journey with you. So starting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, I know it's a little late for some of us, but it's after the kids are in bed. I'm going to start a series called Transforming Work. Um, it's not a long, well, it is a long series, but they're very short video clips. I really want to get us together and support and talk about work. It's uh, not just for men. It's not just for women. It's not just for adults. It's for everybody. Um, someday, young people, you're going to be out in the workforce. And you know what? It's kind of good to get a handle on this thing before you start. So it's going to be at 8 o'clock. It's on Zoom. It's in your bulletin. You can also go to our website and find the information there. And I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship and getting to know people. And it'll be going on for the next several weeks. Um, so if you can't make it tomorrow night, come again the next night. Um, but every Monday at 8. So on that note, I am done. I'm going to leave with a video. John, if we can 